It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Welcome back to the National Security Hour on the America Out Loud talk radio network on iHeartRadio, the voice of freedom, the out loud truth with liberty and justice for all. Going on eight years. And you're on with your guests today, Colonel Mike and Dr. Michael Scheuer. And the National Security Hour, as you know, five days a week, 7 p.m., has military and intel experts. America Out Loud talk radio plays on the iHeartRadio network. You can also hear us on our media player from anywhere browser, anywhere in the world. All of our shows go to podcasts, typically in one to two days after the broadcast is heard on talk radio. And you can hear them on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and the rest of them, iHeart, so on. And be sure to subscribe and rate the show, rate the National Security Hour on Apple Podcasts for us. It's very important to know that, who's listening and, you know, what our ratings are. And be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for the latest news, 24-7, latest news and happenings. We all must do our part, share the stories, share the articles, share the videos, so that we can help secure America's future. You could find out more about our show, the National Security Hour, and get all the latest podcasts if you go to the menu nav bar at AmericaOutloud.com under our show schedule. So what you do is you do the drop link, see shows. There's a lot of great shows on there. Click National Security Hour. Or if you just scroll down, you can get it live. You'll see live and you hit that uh, link and you can listen to whoever's on. Alrighty, So we'd like you to uh, rate us on Apple. It's the National Security Hour. And we're happy to be back again, uh, Dr. Mike and Colonel Mike. And today's guest is, we have a very special guest, good article, by the way, and we're going to talk about it. Mike's going to introduce him. It's uh, Tim Meisberger. And Mike will do the bio, and then we'll go right to the article. Go ahead, Mike. All right. Uh, Mr. Tim Meisberger is with us today. He is an international development specialist and election integrity specialist. During the Trump administration, he was a deputy assistant administrator at USAID, and the director of the Center for Democracy, Rights, and Government, governance, rather. He's, he's written a really very, very good article, Looking for the Deep State, at America, AmericanGreatness.com. And that's going to be the, 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 the start of our discussion today, and we'll see where it goes from there. Tim, are you there? Tim, welcome to the National Security Hour. There. Yes, I'm here, Mike. Yeah. You lost me for a second. We, <laughs> want, we want to welcome you in. Uh, give us a little bit of you know, what you, what you wrote there. It's a very important article. And, you know, for the listeners in America and around the globe, uh, we've, we've talked about this for years and it's upside down. And this is beltway kind of stuff. It's called inside the beltway kind of stuff that we, we deal with living in this beltway, which uh, it becomes the acronym DMV, meaning, you know, district of Columbia, Maryland, Virginia, but Tim will give us a little bit about this article, which is really important to know. Go ahead, Tim. Okay, well, I'm happy to talk about it. I, I think I, uh, as a little bit of background, I've been working as a, a, a visiting fellow at Heritage, and because I spent most of my career in foreign assistance, I'm working mostly on foreign assistance, and I was interested to look at the political orientation of the institutions uh, 
that that actually received the 50 billion or 70 billion dollars a year we spent on, on foreign assistance. And I developed this methodology sort of to assess the uh, the political orientation of the institutions. And and at the same time that I was working on that, obviously the politicization of the FBI and the DOJ was in the news. And 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 so I decided to go ahead and apply that methodology uh, as well um, to the DOJ and the FBI. And and that's that was the source of this article. So most of my articles on politicization are published at Heritage, but but uh, articles on election integrity and other issues I, I, I have been publishing on American greatness. And um, so when I looked at them, it was quite interesting. Uh, uh, I, what I do is, is I look at publicly available data uh, uh, from the Federal Elections Commission on contributions to political parties or costs. And you're able to find all that information online. It's available online. And what I do is, is cross-reference that with uh, the organization uh, that they work for, so either the DOJ or the FBI. And then I looked at the percentage of contributions given to each political party. Um, so the United States is you know, relatively even, evenly split politically between Republicans and Democrats if there is any variation uh, between that. And what I found was that, uh, well, do you want me to talk about that or do you have any specific questions? Or do you want me to talk about findings? I just, I just wondered when you, when you were just speaking there, is, is the Heritage Foundation not uh, willing to publish things on uh, election integrity or, or uh, you just prefer the American greatness? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I work for the, I work on the, as a foreign assistance fellow, so that's just what I submit to them is, is foreign assistance articles. I see. I see. Uh, they they're not they're, they're not deep into election integrity. Like uh, I spent uh, most of the last two years working on election integrity programs related to the the uh, uh, 2022 elections, 2021 in Virginia and 2022 in Texas. So, so what what I found was when looking at these contributions was I looked at both uh, the 2020 election cycle and the 2022 election cycle. Now, under the 2020 election cycle, which was 2019 and 2020, uh, the the institutions, the DOJ and the FBI, were that was during a Republican administration. So, some of their contributions were coming from political appointees, like I was uh, during that. And of course, in 2021 and 2022, that cycle, then it was under a Republican uh, administration. So I, I, I mean, a, a Democrat administration. So I looked at, at both of those. And when I looked at the Department of Justice, uh, at the national level across the country, we had an 80-20 split. So 80% of all contributions went to Democrat candidates and causes, and 20% went to uh, Republicans. To really try and get a sense of, of of headquarters, I also broke out the data by what we call the DMV or the District Maryland and Virginia, which is the area uh, where employees of Department of Justice headquarters would be living. And I broke that out, and and that was 89% uh, Democrat to 11% uh, Republican. So. Basically, even though we're a country that's split 
more or less 50-50, um, we, we don't really see that in the institution itself. I'm sorry, do we, that must be because it, it, it can't be just uh, coincidental. It seems to me that there's so many lawyers involved in those two institutions that it must reflect what they're learning in law school. Yeah, I think it. I think, uh, and I'll get to the conclusions in a while. What it oh, okay. Reflects. All right. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no. But we've known for a long time that that uh, government workers tend to be Democrat, Democrats, and I believe that's in large part because of the uh, employee unions, government employee unions. Which, when I looked at those, you will see that a hundred percent of their, basically a hundred percent of their contributions go to Democrats. So as a gatekeeper into employment and as an influencer, um, you know, I think they have a negative effect on employment possibilities for Republicans in government. Um, so what we see is that the DOJ is you know, it's essentially, um, you know, in, in many ways, it's homogenous in its thought. Um, in 2022, we, we saw a similar result at the national level with 82% Democrat and 18% Republican. And in the DMV, it rose to 90% of all contributions. Wait, let, let me jump in here a minute, Tim. Can you repeat that number slowly? We, we really have to, uh, I think, express to the listener on the National Security Hour what this This is a national security issue. But go ahead. But just repeat that number again. So, so what it means is that that uh, when looking at political contributions from employees from the Department of Justice in yes. uh, 20, 2021 and 2022, 82% of those contributions went to Democrat candidates and causes nationwide. So that's looking at Department of Justice employees in every state, in the state in, in uh, federal courts throughout the country. Um, and in the District of Maryland and Virginia, where we have obviously the headquarters of the DOJ, uh, that to 90% of all contributions from employees went to Democrat candidates or causes. And so nine out of 10, you can assume based on this evidence, it's not perfect evidence of political orientation. Right. It's the best available publicly available evidence of political orientation of these institutions. All right. So okay. So I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Hang on a second before you continue. Excuse me. I want to interrupt. So in other words, to our listeners in America and around the globe, you can see how slanted it is. When you MAGA guys, you Trump guys, DeSantis guys, whoever you are, ask the question, what are we going to do? How are we going to go to the 2024? How are we going to go do this? How are we going to do that? You can see that these institutions, agencies that have been politicized are totally against you. They're just as bad as the media. Okay. So I want to know uh, what are the Republicans on the Hill, whether Rhino, Conservative, or Freedom Caucus, whatever, uh, Corn Huskers, uh, Wheaties, whatever. What is their plan? How do you alleviate? You can't alleviate this, right, Tim? It's pretty much there to stay, right? Is that where it is? Yeah, I, I think that uh, there there is no plan to answer that question. There is no plan. We've asked in in some of the heritage publications and in in this publication, we've asked them to the Congress to look at this and to take action. 
because it's unfair. I mean, the, the United States is meant to be uh, a, a government of the people, by the people. By the people, the people. yes. 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 Continue. Why is it that, interrupt you. Continue, because this is why, very good information. Go ahead. Why is it that only one, one party is represented? So... Um, in the old days, in, we used to call this... In the old days, Mike and I would call this the deck is stacked against us, right, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry to interrupt you. This is very good. Go ahead. And I mean, we can get into some of the other institutions like the State Department and FBI, where it's actually much, uh, the State Department and USAID, where it's actually much, much worse than it is at the Department of Justice. But I want to talk a bit about the findings from the, the FBI. Go ahead, because please. For me, they were a bit counterintuitive. I, I mean, looking at at the FBI, this one of the reasons I was so interested in this is we know that uh, the, the FBI played a, an, an important role or a critical role uh, when when the Obama administration was was in in 2016 when the Obama administration was was spying on the Trump campaign. Uh, they played a role, uh, a, 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 an important role in the Russian collusion hoax. Um, that was started by Hillary's campaign. They 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 perpetrated the Whitmer kidnapping hoax. They they've been harassing Trump supporters. Um, they had the SWAT raid on on Trump for these weird documents. And um, and right now they're they're withholding documents on corruption in the Biden administration. I mean they 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 have played such a politicized role and such a, a really anti-democratic. Uh, role that I assumed that I was going to get really similar sorts of results when I looked at the FBI, and I didn't, and and I, I got different results and that were interesting in other ways. So in 2020, when the FBI was still under a nominal Republican administration, uh, we had 54 and 46 percent, so almost an even split nationally in contributions from from uh, FBI employees and. And, um, and and in the DMV, that rose to 65 and 35, uh, a, a tilt towards the Democrats, but still somewhat uh, understandable and, and, and reasonable. And my assumption was, when I looked at that, was that law enforcement is still, many law enforcement personnel in the FBI are still, um, are, are not for Democrats because Democrats in general are against law enforcement. And I think when I look deeper into the data, anecdotally, I don't want to say that because I didn't pull it out statistically, but anecdotally, you would see that the leadership looked more Democrat in each of the field offices. So maybe promotion was dependent on that. And then the file tended to be the, the investigators and others tended to be more Republican. But I, I don't want to get too much into that because I didn't pull that data. There wasn't enough. And then in 2022, what I found was, was really interesting. At the national level, it was still relatively even at 52% and 48%. But in the DMV, it had, it had risen dramatically to 78% of contributions, almost 80% of contributions going to Democrat candidates and causes um, under, this, under this Democrat administration. And that was disturbing it for a number of reasons, but... but uh, one is that it's, it could very well be evidence that uh, FBI employees in the, in the national capital region are unwilling to contribute in publicly available records 
to the Republican Party uh, or Republican causes because they've seen over the last few years, they saw what happened to Trump appointees, the, the uh, discrimination against them, the blacklisting of them. They saw what happened to whistleblowers in the FBI who tried to real, reveal corruption and politicization and that they were inhibited from contributing uh, to their preferred party because of fear of retribution uh, at work. And that's what I found really disturbing in the, in the FBI data. Um, so when I talked about conclusions, uh, you know, from my point of view, when I look at the DOJ, the DOJ is a creative uh, department. I think the DOJ needs to be broken up. I think that, uh, that, All right, we're coming down. We're coming down to the last two minutes. I'm going to give you a minute, Mike, if you want to do the minute or, or, or Tim, whatever. Then we'll go to commercial and then I'm going to go to the other side. We'll continue this. You're on the National Security Hour and your guest is Tim Meisberger today, your host, Dr. Mike and Colonel Mike on the National Security Hour. You got two minutes. Who wants to shoot for it? Go ahead. Let him go ahead. He's, he's been very interesting. Go ahead, Tim. Okay, so, so um, well, I wanted to talk some about the, the recommendations, what, we, what I think needs to be done. I, I think we cannot exist as a democracy and, and to continue to have a one-party state. And the findings here are indicative of what we're seeing across the government and across the government agencies. It's not different. In fact, it's worse in, in, in many other agencies. Is that a deep state? I'm not sure it's a deep state, uh, uh, but it's certainly evidence of, of discrimination in hiring, and it's certainly evidence that the institutions of government don't look like the people of this country, that, that they're not reflective of the broad political orientations or, or, or uh, preferences of the population of the country. And that's not democratic. That's a one-party state. and, and uh, so to, to address that, I think uh, the first step really has to be to look at hiring practices. And we need, we need to encourage Congress to ask the tough questions, to ask these people, why is it that we only have Democrats serving in these organizations? And I'm going to close in the last minute and say, I'll tell you why. It's the Uniparty. And you're on the National Security Hour. We're going to break. We'll see you on the other side. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix Rx. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a CofixRx nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com.
Welcome back. You're on the National Security Hour. We talked to Michael Shoya and Colonel Mike. Today, our guest is Tim Meisberger. We're speaking about the deep state. We're speaking about his article that was in America Greatness and how slanted it is with the Uniparty. Tim, welcome back to the National Security Hour. Thanks. Please well, continue. Okay, so so talking about uh, what we should do, I think that the first thing we need to do is is, is address this discrimination in hiring and, and uh, bias and discrimination in hiring. And I think the best way to do that is to have Congress asking the tough questions of these organizations and really demanding plans to address this, this situation. I, I think in the end, the, probably the, the best solution is that we, we no longer have a permanent employment in the federal government, but that we shift to a, to a, a, a structure where people are limited to like six or seven years as, you, as uh, personal service contractors are in working for the government. Because what, what's happened is we have this in, entrenched uh, unelected bureaucracy that is controlling a lot of our lives um, and it's not reflective in any way of, of the population in general. But specifically about the DOJ, I, I think the DOJ is, is clearly dysfunctional. It's clearly politicized. Uh, it's clearly putting its thumb on the scale in, in, a, in, election, in elections and through its actions. Uh, on, and sometimes what it's doing is downright criminal. And I think it should be broken up. I don't think we need it. We didn't have it to begin with. I think we should break it up and let let whatever is left over focus on its original uh, job of supporting the attorney, attorney general's office and then shift everything else back to the states. And it, it's kind of the same with the FBI. If you look at the history of the FBI, it has a history of corruption. Throughout its history, uh, there have been allegations that it's corrupt in one way or another under Hoover and others. And, and I wonder if there is something about national uh, police agencies that have such a broad scope that they become unaccountable. I mean, we look at the Stasi, we look at the Gestapo, we look at all of these things, and it, it, eventually they become corrupt. There's no accountability. Uh, there's no transparency because, because they're national. And, and so what happens at the local level really has no effect uh, uh, at the national level. And I, I think the FBI needs to be broken up. I don't see any point in having the FBI. It's disservice to the people. That well, we, I don't think we could. I don't think we could disagree. Mike, what do you say? I mean, at this point, we've seen enough. They go to Congress. It's so funny because I make jokes out of it, which is not funny. But I mean, they go in there and it's like, OK, go ahead. Take your best shot. You're going to be here two years, four years, six years, whatever. We're going to be here forever, 20 years. Now, you know, I just want before Mike gets on, I want to say this before we went to break. I wanted to say something. You were talking about the uh, the money, the campaign contributions, and people don't want to be uh, noticed. Like, let's say if you're a Republican, right, Tim, you gave these people money. Now you're going to be known as a Republican, right? Well, where I come from in a little place called New York City, that's called integrity. Now, I know there's big words down here in the South, D.C., Metro, Virginia, Maryland, you know, we're just up a crust gentry level down here. You know, low class New Yorkers, gosh, they got that accent like Trump and they come from Queens and they build skyscrapers and they become billionaires. But where I come from, it's freaking called integrity. You got to look in the mirror and you got to say to yourself, I got a wife, I got kids, I got expenses and I have a God. 
And what do I do? You know, I, and they, and this is the bullshit that I hear all the time, Tim. Well, I only got three years. I only got five years. I got four kids in college. I got three cars. I live in Fairfax County. My house is 950000 I remortgaged it. I refinanced it. I got the retirement. I got all that stuff. You know what? Go sell freaking hot dogs and look in the mirror and say, I could be honest to my family. Now I'm going to turn that over to Dr. Mike who worked with the CIA for many, many years, and he raised the whole family too. Go ahead, Dr. Mike. You know, uh, uh, Tim, I, I was there for 23, 25 years almost. Um, and I never was aware even of any congressional interest in hiring. It was all done within the institution. As far as I could tell, there was no appeal process if you applied and got an interview and they didn't like it because you were conservative or anything like that, I was just not aware of it. It just strikes me as you've got, we would have a job trying to get the Congress interested in it, or at least the Republicans interested in, the, in it. And the other thing I wanted to mention uh, on our program, we've had uh, for three or four times a very brilliant lawyer named Jeff Shepard. And he said that the basic fact is from his perspective, and he was in Nixon's White House, and he went to Harvard and turned out to be conservative, which is, a, is a, a magical in some ways from Harvard. But he said that Roosevelt's administrations with Truman from 1932 to 52 really has left the Democratic Party in charge of hiring for the federal bureaucracy since then, even when there's a Republican uh, government, because they're the leaders of the agencies, uh, uh, the bureaucratic leaders. They, can, they get uh, a different head of CIA, a different head of the de State Department. But most times, there's not a big turnover in the, the kind of people either that, work, that are working there or that are are being hired, and and we've know, we know we know for example that during the the run up to the Second World War, uh, Roosevelt and Hoover were turning a blind eye to British covert action in this country. Um, Hoover let the British use uh, the FBI communication system to talk to London. Uh, it, you know, it, it, it's just been, it's been an unbelievable thing. And I think it, it probably has a good deal to, to do with what kind of, how many wars we get into. But the, the, the bureaucracy is so entrenched because of the process that was started as long ago as 1932-33 that it's going gonna, it's gonna to either take someone in Congress to be able to focus on that, I, I would think, full time. Uh, and I'd like to know your view on that. But it's a... It, it, it's it's like a, a a a mountain there at the moment, and they're all to the left, and they they flip when they need to be flipped. They used to be anti-war, now they're pro-war. They used to be pro-Soviet Union, now the bureaucracy is anti-Soviet Union, but all for political reasons, and uh, or anti-Russia now. So it, it, it is a, it is an enormous problem. It's an obvious problem. But it's, it strikes me as one that, that you've got to put an X to, but where do you start? It, that it's true. And, and I think it's so long that people don't realize how bad it is. They've just ignored it, like, uh, like everything. But obviously, after being overseas for, 
for 30 years and then coming back and working in the government in USAID, it was very apparent that we, the political appointees, didn't have the power to get things done. No matter, no matter what you tried to do and how hard you pushed, somehow it got, you know, stuck here or that's not possible or this is not possible. And the, the institution itself was, is completely politicized. For example, contributions from USAID were 97% Democrat. Uh, from the State Department, they're like 92 or 3% Democrat. You, you, how do we have a foreign policy that reflects the American people when 93% and all of the leadership are Democrat, no matter what? And, and I, I think that there's an underlying sickness in our government that we're ever to have democratic government, if we're ever to have a government that actually reflects the, the, the issues and interests and aspirations of the people of the country. I, I, well, I, I certainly agree with that. Uh, but uh, again, no, uh, one thing I wanted to ask before I forget it a second time, is, is it possible to do the same kind of analysis? Back to the FBI that, that, uh, for the, the, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Are we having a communication problem? Hold on a second. Take a time out. Uh, Mike, you go, and then Tim, go ahead. All right. I wanted to know: Is it possible to examine the military in the same way you've done you've done with the um, uh, the military bureaucracy as you've done with the other ones? With DOJ and FBI. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is it, yeah. With, could you do it to the civilians at DOD? Yes, I only do DOD, and you can do the military as well, though, in general, generals uh, will tend not to be uh, providing uh, uh, contributions to political parties, but I, I can look into it and see. You can also look at individuals. So, for example, using the federal election, the leadership. Tim, you go, you're DOD. going in and out. You're getting spotty here with the connection. I don't know what's happening. Okay. Check it out. Yeah, we're losing a little bit of it. Go ahead, testing, yeah. testing. Go ahead, use that. Go ahead, let's try it. Okay, I, I think you can look at the DOD. Obviously, you can look at the civilians in the DOD. Um, and, and you can look at specific individuals through the data as well. So, for example, I've looked at the organization and pulled their board members and looked at the individual co contributions of board members. But, but in general... I'm not sure how much data you would get from from uh, senior military leaders as they tend not to uh, contribute to political campaigns. At least historically, they didn't. Uh, I could check into it, but certainly that, that information is available for anyone that wanted to look into it. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Well, well I, think, I think the roundabout way that Mike and Tim is uh, if they're serving on boards, and like he said, you know, companies and and uh, yeah, let's just say, for instance, in the Beltway here, defense contractors, you could look at what those guys are doing or their employees are doing. And you can just get an idea of, you know, and remember, it's a war machine. We have a war machine. You know, we we we've heard the the Eisenhower quote, I don't know how many times military industrial complex. Now we have a meteor industrial complex to join them. But I'm just saying you could look at. Just the Beltway, Tim, you know, uh, the way it's been built on the back of uh, defense and uh, now data. Now data is the big deal in, inside the Northern Virginia area. Tremendous data centers that eat tremendous amounts of energy 
has nothing to do with climate change because it's Loudoun County. That's it. That's exempt from any climate change. God forbid they should be held accountable. You know, go ahead, Tim. No, I, I think it's I, I should make the point as well that that looking at this federal election commission data is not the only way to assess political orientation of institutions. You guys are intelligence guys, spooks, we would call you. Um, you know that we can go and we can look at their actions. We can look at what they're saying. We can, we can do systematic analysis of speech, uh, of, of the things they write. Uh, I did something recently of a, uh, on an organization's website. Uh, so, but one of the things the Democrats do that we don't do is they set up organizations, NGOs, and others to do things systematically. And we have anecdotal evidence of this and that, but we're not really deploying or creating and deploying the sort of institution that you could say, oh, let's do a deep dive into the political organization uh, that the through the speech and, and actions of this particular organization. Nobody's doing that. And so that's another area where, where we need to improve uh, as we move forward. If we want to be able to demonstrate to the public the problem and then drive political reform. I mean, I recently fi figured a, a finished an article on using what they call five, fifth generation warfare uh, in election integrity. And, and uh, one of the things we need to do as, as people who are interested in free and fair elections or in democratic government is use the tools that are available to us and be systematic in pushing these things. And, and uh, when we look at, at, at what the leftists and the Marxists are doing to us and the Chinese, we can see that we're in a war. We're in a war that most people don't even realize we're in. Um, and, and it's an information war, it's an economic war, it's in different types of battle spaces and, and different types of battlegrounds that people are used to, and they don't really understand what's going on. And I think one of the things that we need to do as people that love democracy and want to see this country continue is to make sure that the public finds these things out. And to do that, we need to be systematic. We need to push in that direction and, and make sure they have the information so they know, so that they can say, hey, there's something wrong. They can say to their congressional representative, why is it that these institutions of government that are supposed to serve the people are only Democrat? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because we have another show on our network with another former Intel uh, specialist, Ed Huglin, uh, which is on the National Security Hour. And Mike and I, you know, we read it in his, his blog and we listen to his show. It's called uh, The Cognitive Warfare. Ed has been writing this for quite some time and he's ma had many shows. You, if you go to the National Security Hour and uh, uh, on America Out Loud, you can just review Ed's shows. And he's been writing on and and, he, and the Chinese are just, I mean, they're just whacking us, whack-a-mole with this stuff. Right, Mike? Am I right or wrong? Yeah, of course it's right, Colonel. It's absolutely yeah. right. And uh, it gets so, no coverage, except for Ed and a few Ed, others. Ed is, yeah, Ed is the guy, and, and sometimes he's on, uh, again, he's, sometimes he's on with uh, General uh, Tom McInerney and General Paul Vallely, and the executive producer of our National Security Hour, who is Mary Fanning. So if people want to know a little bit about what Tim just mentioned, you can go to the National Security Hour and look at Ed Helglin's uh, articles, many are there. He's also got a blog, the uh, Information Equ uh, Equilibrium, I think it's called, 
but we can put that in notes if we need to. Uh, but Tim, we understand exactly what you're saying. We're down to the last two minutes before we go to the final segment. We couldn't agree more with you. Uh, the problem is, though, that I see uh, being around this stuff for a while, and Mike, Mike as well, is our big money people don't back up stuff. They have Soros and they have so many other people. You know, uh, what do you got on this side of the fence? I don't even want to mention it. But uh, the guys with money should be able to put together some non-governmental organization, front groups, media groups, whatever, to counteract this. And this was a big uh, dilemma, as far as I'm concerned, with the Trump administration. Um, we call it out, Tim. We say it like it is. You know, he surrounded himself with some badass people. OK. And, uh, you know, we're not into nepotism. You know, we like Corvettes, but we don't like nepotism. OK. And uh, we're just saying it like it is. Uh, we wouldn't like it if the other side had the nepotism, which is going on very nicely now. And you could even get a powdered room with it, you know, inside the White House. So, uh, you know, if Trump runs and he's the, he's the guy that's going to run again. And if he I, I doubt very much the deep state's going to let him do it. But, you know, God has miracles going. Oh, Tim says he cannot hear anything. I don't know why. Tim, are you there? Can you hear us? He went off the chart, Mike. I wonder if he hit it, hit the wrong button. Yeah, possible. Okay. Let's see. We, we're sorry for the interruption, but uh, we got one minute. All righty. Uh, so we're coming down the last minute before we go to the next segment. Uh, coming back to the final segment, all right, with Dr. Mike, your host, Dr. Mike, today, Dr. Mike Schur, New York Times bestselling author, Colonel Mike. And today our guest is Tim Meisberger. We're going to go to commercial and we'll see you on the other side. Okay, I'm back now. All right, we're on commercial. America out loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back to the National Security Hour with Dr. Michael Scheuer and Colonel Mike, our guest today, Tim Meisberger. Mike, why don't you open it up? It's it it, it is a uh, is it, it, every time we're always hearing about this Hatch Act, 
that forbids uh, people uh, from uh, using their position in the government to advocate for one party or another. If that's constitutional, would there be a way to pass a law that contributions to a political party would amount to the same uh, sort of um, behavior? It's, it it uh, seems a little extreme to me, but I wonder. Yeah, I, I don't think so, but, but I do think there is a lot of precedent uh, in discrimination lawsuits and civil rights law that, that uh, this uh, disparate outcome or the, the difference between representation for, for one group and another group is, is evidence of discrimination and bias. And so what, what we see really is, is, is evidence of discrimination and bias in hiring that is irrefutable under, under civil rights law. And obviously, over time, that could change. But, but to me, that's evidence that, that needs to be added on. I think we can force people to contribute to political parties that they don't want to contribute to. But I also think that, that this evidence of discrimination um, can be acted on in legal ways. Yeah. It's, I think you could also make the argument that, that uh, beside being, uh, in a way, discriminatory against conservatives, for example, it puts government beyond the reach of the people. If, if your experience, and it's my experience too, that the bureaucracy only does what it wants to do for those it, it, it likes to work with. And if they don't like to work with someone, they just go around them or, or take forever to do anything at all. So it really is a, a dual kind of, it's a direct political problem but it's a national security problem in a big way, isn't it? I think it is. I, I think we, we look at our military and how the military has been politicized, how we have these diversity and equity advisors or whatever they are. They are, in, in effect, political commissars, right? Yes. They are exactly the same as the political commissars of the Soviet Union policing thought within the institution. And, and, uh, and obviously, that affects our our ability to defend the country. And and uh, it's it definitely, as you can see from the the discussions around wokeness in the military now, it's a national security threat. It directly, uh, it has to be addressed. Uh, the Chinese take advantage of it. The Chinese foment it in many ways. But oh, absolutely. Take, and people laugh at us around the world. Yeah. I, I think no, they. I think they laugh more now than ever, Tim. We're both older guys, and uh, yeah, I, I, I see you. You look a little bit over twenty-five. Okay, so um, I'm going to be honest with you. The whole freaking world is laughing. We are the joke. What you know? You, you're talking about USAID, and I wanted to bring it up, and I, I thought Mike, you would bring it up, but I'll bring it up. You know, look at the success we had in Africa, billions of dollars over the years. I don't know if you were involved with Africa years ago. I don't know where your beat was. But, you know, I watched Africa back in the 90s and probably a little bit after 2003. You know, all these deep, dark investments when, when all of a sudden Madeleine Albright became an energy czar with Zoros in investing in Africa projects for energy. Ha, 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 you know four or five billion. And, and you look at today and 
the Chinese cleaned our clock. They went in there, bought them from the ground up, put some buildings in Ethiopia, put some roads, uh, basically locked them in. We'll collateralize them with, hey, that's okay. You don't have to pay us. We'll just own your country. You know, and then and all the this stuff with regards to the you know, elements needed to make batteries. And one by one, one by one, just like I saw in Latin America, Tim, in the 70s and the 80s, we lost each country because we have such great people at the State Department and all these other agencies, you know, that were so brilliant. You know, they went to Cornell and and Dartmouth and Princeton and Harvard and Yale. I mean, all the poison ivy schools you can make, all the ones you can think about, just a list. And uh, we lost, and China, remember, what are, what are we looking at? 30, 35, 40 years, China, you know, came into like the, the world economy and the world community, and they cleaned our clock. And they, they have more spies embedded in our country with academia, with institutions, with uh, regards to research in medical and whatnot. And uh, this is where we are today. So the world is laughing. It's like, hey, yeah. man, you know, I, I was in Southeast Asia, Tim, when the Congress used to poke the eyes of the parliament members and tell them how corrupt their countries were. If they'd only just clean up their act and we could do much better business because we can't back you when you're this corrupt. And now I have friends that are retired calling me laughing, saying, <laughs> what, what do you call Capitol Hill? What is that? Is that a prostitution or a brothel? What is, what's going on up there? The bribery, the money. Look, look it's, not just, it's not just the U.S. government. Look at the state, the governors. Every one of these freaking salt-of-the-earth governors in the Midwest sold out. They sold out. They sold as much as they can sell to the child. Oh, first it was, oh, it's good trade. They love pork. Oh, we're just going to sell a lot of pork from Iowa. And then the, we got the mafia, the ethanol mafia, Grassley's boys, right? The salt of the earth guys. Yeah, well, we need more corn oil in that uh, gasoline tank there. Yep, yep, yep. You know, and then you got the sugar mob down in Florida. I mean, we're the American oligarchs. We talk about Russia. We talk about oligarchs. We're the American oligarchs. And we go around and we point fingers. We tell African nations. We tell the Latin American guys, hey, communism, communism. We're going to send a shirt factory from North Carolina to Salvador. Oh, by the way, it's going to be in Salvador two years. And then we'll send it over to communist China. <laughs> sorry to tell you that. Go ahead, Tim. Sorry. Yeah, no, I think the, the, the really sad thing, I think what you say is true. But the really sad thing is that the Chinese are incredibly incompetent. That that uh, if you look at what they did in Africa, they have they have really pissed off all the African nations. Um, you know, they're they're with their colonialist uh, tendencies and approaches. But compared to the United States, they look brilliant because our State Department, the people are stupid. Okay, you saw under Trump when he had a few people who would go out and do common sense things. America was in the world. But what we have mostly is people that believe that they're elite. They are hereditary members of the department. They, 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 uh, you know, they were related to somebody, and that's how they got in there. They went to the Ivy League schools, which increasingly turn out people that are not really educated. I mean, I, I spent my entire career. I was in Southeast Asia for a long time as well. I spent my entire career 
uh, in that field. And I met people from Harvard over and over and over again, and only one of them I thought was smart. Now, I'm not saying that everyone that goes to Harvard is stupid. Right. But everyone that but you'd be pretty Harvard close is, if you did. <laughs> people in the State Department are not smart. They, you exactly. look at that and you look they do things. They, they are totally incompetent. It's really, really distress, distressing, I think, to look at, look at that and to think that these people are in positions of lifetime employment where they're paid 30, 40, 50 percent more than the national average. They have now around D.C., I don't know how often you get in here, but around D.C., they have special lanes. For oh, yes. People. Oh, yes. It's exactly the same as the nomenclature in the Soviet Union. You remember ringing rock yep. Moscow? They had special lanes for the nomenclature, and now we have it here. It's, it's a socialist, communist, Marxist takeover, and yes. we have to recognize it, and we have to fight back. But We have, we have to fight so all the way, all the way. I couldn't agree, yeah. Yeah. They, let me ask you a question, Tim. Tim, who owns those lanes? Do you have any idea who owns those pay lanes? If I'm correct, if I'm correct, I heard years ago when they put them in and the counties voted for them. And I don't think the people had it was like one of those magician tricks, you know, like oh, they won't know. It's OK. I think Australia owns the stuff down south and near the Virginia Beach area. If I may be wrong. I'll have to check on it. But I heard it was Australia that owned uh, the one going through Prince William County and Southern. And I think the Fairfax is another country. They're not even owned by the state or the people who own the state, which is the citizens who paid for the roads. They were built by foreign companies of foreign nations. And those nations at any point can raise the tariff. Isn't that amazing? Land of the free, yeah. what's it called? Land of the free, home of the brave, right? That was it. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, Tim. Sorry. No, I, 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 I'm really irritated by them. And, and uh, I think that uh, when I was a kid, they used to say, oh, the dullest toll road, you know, once we once we pay it off, then it'll be free. And that was in the 70s. Oh, I bought that bridge. I bought that bridge before you guys even had dullest. I lived in New York when they built the Verrazano. You ever hear of the Verrazano Bridge? It goes yeah. from Staten Island to Brooklyn. Well, that bridge was the same story. We bought that package years ago. I think I was about eight years old. I don't remember. But that bridge, once we finished painting it and we paid it with the, I think it was a quarter toll at the time or something like that, uh, 25 cents. Uh, don't worry about it. Now you have toll boots, so you have to have toll collectors, right? And they may have did away with it because they got the easy pass. But they had toll collectors who were basically like uh, traffic cops who got pensions. So you could never stop and you know you you could never stop charging, right? So today they have easy pass, so I don't know about that, but you still have to hire the Indians, the Mohicans, to go up there and paint every year, you know, tune it up. And that's I think uh I don't know, thirty bucks to go over a bridge now. You know, what is that called? In in the old terms, I uh, in World War II, say. Yeah, no, in World War II they call that a bridge too far. <laughs> <laughs> But that's, that's just really going deep dive in your pocket. We're going to come down to like a, the last five or six minutes, Tim. So you and Mike can go at it. I think it's really great having you on and having this discussion and waking up some of the sleepers, not our listeners, I know that, but uh, sleepers around the uh, United States and to our international audience. We know what's going on. We are the people. We Right now on this show, it's we the people talking. It's not the government. This is not Biden's administration or anything like that. And Tim was a former employee uh, at a government level, high level, too. What was your position, Tim? 
I was a deputy assistant administrator. So, yeah, that's just, uh, I guess, the third level down in the agency. Above that yeah. are, are Senate-confirmed positions. Uh, yeah. Assistant administrator is, is Senate-confirmed. And I was an acting assistant administrator, but not a, not a confirmed yeah. in the Senate level. Well, I was in Southeast Asia when the uh, State Department was running around. And I'll tell, tell you what, I wouldn't have hired those guys for a B-movie in Hollywood. They were bad actors. Uh, they stumped every Codell I ever saw come through. And I met Codells before they got there and after they got there. And I can tell you one thing. They, they led these people around like they were sheep. It was a dog and pony show. Like you said, these people aren't smart. Um, Let's just say, for instance, a senator or a congressman wanted to meet somebody high level minister or you know parliament member or even somebody in defense. And they, oh, well, he's not available today. Uh, it's a Buddhist holiday. Oh, he's not available today. It's a Hindu holiday. Oh, he's not available today because it's Lincoln's birthday. So uh, uh-huh. just enjoy yourself. Buy some souvenirs. Enjoy the food. It's really good. And we'll get you on a plane and get your ass home as fast as possible because we don't like anybody being here. Go ahead, Mike. I want. I always. I always think that one of the things that I saw, which really turned me against, uh, and with respect, sir, with with uh, USAID, was in Afghanistan, both during the the era of of the Soviet war and then our own disaster. Uh, AID and the and the NGOs that followed in their train. Spent enormous, enormous, an enormous amount of money and time trying to implement or install the ideas of the West and especially of the leftist West among devout Muslims. Whether it was uh, women political candidates, abortion, uh, divorce, they weren't there just to. Um, uh, you know, to help those people, they were there to indoctrinate them and to try to make them into something that they weren't. And it really extended the wars and it made so many of the Afghan men our enemies that not necessarily, they would not necessarily have been otherwise. Yeah. Well, you, you're actually, I was, I did some work in Afghanistan and it was from the very beginning, it was a development nightmare that, that, that it, it be, as soon as it became politicized, as soon as democracy promotion became politicized after 9-11, everything went to hell. And, and uh, when we look at what happened in Iraq, when we look at the, the lives and money and treasure we wasted on stupid programs that nobody really thought made any sense uh, in Afghanistan, it's just a tragedy. And if you look at what they're doing now in Africa, it's exactly the same thing. Like with PEPFAR, they're promoting... Uh, uh, they're promoting abortion in Africa and they're promoting gay rights or the LGBTIQ yeah. plus blah, blah. And, and, and the Ugandans reacted by passing a law that they God say, God bless is, them. Know, God bless Uganda. Yeah, Go ahead. And if you listen to their speeches, they're like, we're tired of you people. You know, you're, You've got to stop doing this to us. Come yeah, in. They, they, hey, Tim, they, 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 they let the hyena. They let the hyena yeah, go down there, Kamala Harris. <laughs> the State Department promoting this weird ideology, and and uh, so yeah, I agree with you. I, and and you know, I've worked in the democracy field for since the early '90s, and and I've heard all the people on our side going, "Oh, you know, it's, it's the the CIA, it's it's you know Soros and all that." 
And all that stuff happened. I wasn't involved in that. I've always throughout my career tried to go to a country and say, let me help the people of this country have a say in their government. That's what my focus was on overseas. And as I, when I started out, we used to do civic education. We had small programs to help people gain power. And, and over the course of time overseas, you saw civic education disappear. And it wasn't until I returned to the United States that I realized it disappeared overseas. They stopped funding it overseas because it disappeared in this country. And while I spent 30 years overseas working on democracy in other countries, this country was going to hell and I should have All been right. here working we're, on it. We're coming, we're coming down to the last minute. Yeah, we, we could talk about that at, at another time in another show because <laughs> my favorite story is a guy named uh, uh, the, the leader of Cambodia. I just, it just dropped my memory for a second there. Who? Unsend. Yes, Unsend. We did a fantastic job promoting democracy because, uh, you know, if I would put my money on Hun Sen, I'd be a billionaire today. I'll tell you why in another show. But uh, everybody wanted Sam Rancy and uh, the little prince, the little prince from France with Switzerland money. And uh, guess what? Hun Sen put the put the country on track. And today they're viable. Hey, man, you need a tough guy. You need a tough man. You need a strong man coming out of what they did. And you know he's there 30 years. You may not like what's going on, but he ain't no different than the people in America. The Democrats are doing the same thing. Tim, we want to thank you for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. You're terrific, sir. I hope you come back. All right, guys, I got to close it up. Thank you so much. So, hey, again, once again, I want to thank my guest, Tim Meisberger, and thank you for joining us on the mission. The National Security Hour is the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. And you know we mean that. We'll see you next week.